Um, good morning, everybody. Um, we're going to dive straight into the scriptures this morning. So if you've got one, if you need to open one up, you need to turn one on, then please do to Hebrews chapter 10. That's where we're going to be starting today. So if you could find that, that would be excellent. Hebrews chapter 10, we're reading from verse 19 um, to start us off today. I'll give you a moment just to, to flick and find. Just get your glasses on if you can't see from that distance. Do the trombone movements if you need to move it backwards and forwards. Uh, that's absolutely fine. Okay, Hebrews 10, verse 19 to 25. So, therefore... I'm starting at the end of a whole argument. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we might spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but instead in easy, I know. The road to greatness, terrible. Uh, or my personal favourite, getting fruity on the front line. <clears throat> um, but this morning we're going to take a step back, just look at the overall picture of what we've been talking about, and then we're just going to look at some more specifics in terms of the Hebrew, Hebrews passage, particularly around the calling to fruitfulness. We looked from the very beginning, didn't we, at Genesis, on the opening passages of Scripture that determine a lot of the big themes of life, where it picked out that we are made in God's image. That we as human beings have, in comparison to all of creation, something much nearer to God in terms of our character much nearer to God in terms of our abilities, and even much nearer to God in terms of our role, that there is a sense of, of rulership that God has given to us as human beings to bring about the fruitfulness of, of the world. Um, and the language used is a sense of, gives a sense of royalty in, in the Hebrew. There's that sense of, of power and responsibility to some extent that we have. The purpose of humanity to rise into our rightful position and our rightful place to bring about good for the world. And the scriptures are full, aren't they, of the imagery of fruitfulness. That God wants his creation to be alive, to be bearing fruit, to be multiplying. The first word said to Adam and Eve in Genesis 1 would be fruitful and multiply. From the days of Abraham and Sarah, we've got the, the promise, I will bless you that you would be a blessing. From the days of Jeremiah, we got the encouragement to pray and to seek the peace and the prosperity of the city where we are. And in Jesus' day, encouragement's like being the salt and the light of the world. That we are to bring something to the world that brings about its fruitfulness. That's been the whole series, hasn't it? A sense of the purpose, the direction of what God wants to bring out in all of humanity. A collective thing. Not just an individual thing. It's an us. It's not just a, a me. But we are called to that together. And we've looked at those six M's. If you can remember all six. Anybody want to go for one? Shout them out. Hey, Catherine talked on modeling godly character. Second one. 
Making good work. Guess who spoke on that one? Theo. Any more? Mouthpiece of truth and justice. Excellent. There's not a seat here for an Annabelle in it to shout that one out, but yes, excellent. Moldy culture. Sorry, molding culture. Yes, I spoke on molding culture. Messenger of the gospel. Last week with Theo once again and the other one. She, my other half, maybe. Trying to prompt you a little bit without giving you too much. Ministering grace and love. Yeah, ministering grace and love. Six key things for us to be able to focus on, for us to think about how we engage with the world around us. How can we begin to be fruitful, but also to bring about the fruitfulness of the places where we, we are, to step into this, this calling. Um, very briefly, we, we wanted just to, to, to run around with a microphone, um, because I don't want to be the one to just talk this morning, but for us just to share two, two things. Very short because obviously we want to hear a few voices. But has there been anything that stood out to you over this, this series so far that's particularly struck you in any of the sessions? Um, but to, is there anything that you've tried differently? No matter how small that thing is, is there something you thought, oh yeah, I kind of decided I was going to do this. Like for me, at work, I found myself making sure I'm not stepping back from certain challenges, but to go into some conflict potentially confrontations with students with positivity right at the front of whatever I'm doing, that I want the best for them. Even if I'm going to challenge them, I'm not going to step back from some of the students in my school who are difficult. I'm going to go in with positivity. I'm not going to let that go. It's actually challenged me to, to do that. Um, so, hands up if you've got something you'd like to share. If you don't want to say something, and you know the person next to you should, you put your hand up for them, please, and then we'll hand the microphone to them. That's absolutely fine. Um, but can we just quickly just... Any snippets or anything you think stood out or anything that you've just tried, um, it'd be great to hear a couple of suggestions. We've got a hand. Mr. Sheen. So I've been trying to make sure I actually have some kind of more thought about my front lines. So I've invested a bit more of myself in some new front lines, joined a swimming club. Nothing uh, like standing there in your underwear to uh, be a front line. But... But I think bringing, bringing more of myself into some How of those front it? lines as well. Hello. So, How are you? Hey, I, I, I think it's very easy to kind of go, oh, my friends are Christians. These are the people, only people who are my friends. But actually yeah. going into some of those places and going, no, I'm, I'm going to talk about all of me in the swimming pool changing rooms or wherever it is. So. <laughs> all of me in my Speedos. Sorry. Yeah, great. Lovely. Any others? Yeah, i got a couple more hands. Um, I think I did the messages of the gospel session with the youth, so I wasn't actually in for the talking here, but the bit that stood out to me was this idea of asking God to use you and then letting him, <laughs> like sort of trusting that then he will. And um, I've started working in a secondary school recently and I pray in the car before I go in in the mornings and just ask that God would put me at the right place at the right time within the school. And I was with a colleague when she got a phone call to say her mother had a brain tumour and I was able to pray with her, which was lovely. Wonderful. Thank you. I think for me it's been valuing the everyday um, and just seeing opportunities and remembering to pray before doing the ordinary things like the supermarket trip or 
mm. or the school run with the grandchildren or whatever. Excellent. Any other thoughts, ideas? Jenny? I think for me it was about uh, changing the culture at work. So I used to be a team leader before I retired and then went back to a vaccination centre and was bottom of the pond life again. Um, which is a lovely place to be. Uh, but, you know, I've had several comments saying that I'm just a centre of calmness and can bring mm. calmness to the whole process. Wonderful. Any others? Ten seconds. Going once... Going twice. All right, great, thank you. Okay, it's good, isn't it? Just to hear some of these ideas and let's share more of those as, as we, we go forwards because these are the things that help us to, to spur one another on as our passage has said. The Reformation 400 years ago, when Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses to the door of the Wittenberg Castle Church, was a massive shift for Christianity at the time. Real refocusing back on faith as the way you access the promises of God. Really necessary. But it's left a long shadow for hundreds of years that in some ways has been a bit unhelpful for us. It kind of, in some ways, maybe this is a misinterpretation, but people took it that it was faith versus works. As if somehow like faith had risen up and triumphed over and your works were useless. Dead. Irrelevant. And we were totally depraved, unable to do anything, useless in our efforts. And that has really stuck around. We've talked a lot, haven't we, in this series about what we do. Pretty much most of it's actually been about what we do. Um, and therefore, is that, like, is that okay? Is that a, a good thing? I don't know if that question has at all gone through your minds. This morning I want to talk about how our fruitfulness is determined by our faithfulness. Our fruitfulness is determined by our faithfulness. Now what I don't mean is this. I don't mean that what we do is the most important thing. It's not the biggest thing. By far, I'll say that again, our part is not the biggest part by far, but it's the only bit that makes a difference because it's the only bit that's in question. The only bit that's actually doubtful is if we trust, if we do something with that. And so our fruitfulness is determined by our faithfulness. David Pawson helpfully drew this image, I've shared this before, but of salvation being like a life ring. And imagine somebody throwing a life ring in, somebody who's drowning in the water and they're struggling and the life ring's been thrown in. The person on the side has got the power and the ability to rescue. They've got the method. They've made it possible for the person in the water to be rescued. But the person in the water has got to grab on. Otherwise, no point going, ah, and the ring's in front of you. Oh, my goodness, save me, save me, and the ring's right there. You've got to grab hold of it and then hold on to be dragged into the edge. The person then that's been saved is never going to say, I saved myself. Aren't I good? No, of course not. The person on the side did with the life ring, but they still had to hold on. I don't know if you heard those words in our passage. We'll come back to that in a moment. A.W. Tozer said, sometimes we focus so much on a type of thinking about grace that we've actually thrown the baby out with the bathwater. And we've not focused on obedience. We've not focused on faithfulness. And I want to suggest that it's not a case of 
just that, oh, we talk about faith and we had a little bit of obedience on the side, as if it's just an additional extra, but that it's an essential part of what it means to be faithful to God. To have great faith should inspire us into faithful action and into greater faithfulness. It should be part of the same thing, not that they're worlds apart. Does that make sense? We'll look at that in a bit more. A little bit more. So it's a rethink, not just a little obedience with big faith, but big faith that inspires big obedience. Big faithfulness, wholehearted faithfulness towards God. It's just get about getting the right perspective. Should we go back to the passage again? Hebrews 10, 19 to 25. Just listen out for this. The because and the therefore let us. Because of this, therefore let us. Okay, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, we have it, confidence to enter because Jesus' blood. Doesn't mention you or me in any way, shape, or form. Jesus is blood. By the new way, the living way that's opened for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great high priest, another because, let us draw near. Because Jesus is the high priest, and because his blood has already been shed, that nothing you can do can change that, therefore let us, let's do something with that. Let us draw near with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. Encouraged to go forwards with faith, to draw near to God, with the full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled by what? The blood of Jesus, cleansed from our guilty conscience by the blood of Jesus. Okay, power in the blood of Jesus. Uh, And having our bodies washed with pure water, probably an allusion to baptism, and going through baptism. Let us hold unswervingly to the faith that we, sorry, to the hope that we profess for, because he who promised is faithful. Again, it's just perspective. God is the faithful one, therefore let's hold on tightly. He's the one who's made the way, therefore let's actually walk through it. And then let us consider how we spur one another on to love and good deeds. In fact, it goes down and it says, and even all the more as you see the day approaching. There is nothing in this that says, Jesus died, let's sit back, relax, it's all done. It's not, it's not that at all. It's not, oh, it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter how we live. Not at all. He's saying, because let us. Because of who God is, because of what he's done for us, then let us show that we value that by the way that we live our lives. Let's not deny his power and his goodness and his greatness and his sacrifice by the way we live our lives. Let's let it infect and let it inspire every aspect of our lives of our devotion towards him and in our communal life together that we might spur one another on to love and to good deeds. In some ways, it's slightly delusional to think, to get this mixed up. As in, if we think that we can change who God is, by any of our actions, or by anything we could possibly say, are you serious? 
If you think that you can go back in time to have influenced God to have decided that he wanted to love the world the way he did, are you serious? You know, it just doesn't make any sense uh, that we should get stuck in this way of thinking that we actually influence. No, we don't. No, we don't. No, we don't. But we can use our efforts and our energies to glorify the God who is and who was and who is to come. And so that's why I'm saying that what we do, our faithfulness, is what determines our fruitfulness because we've got to make something of the good. We have a degree of power and of ability and of choice that we have to put into practice. And let's face it, we don't do a brilliant job of it all the time. But actually, I don't believe that our actions are useless at all. In fact, I think the encouragement from Hebrews is, actually, it makes the world of a difference. Therefore, use it well. Hebrews is, in some ways, a difficult read. I don't know if you've ever tried to read the whole thing through. I think it takes about 30, 35 minutes if you read it from front to back, or just dipped in and gone, hmm? Because there's some stuff that's either very strong or culturally you think, I don't really quite understand. Uh, or you, you might read it and just get lost because the arguments kind of go round in circles. It's not all linear like we like it in our talks today. It's not like that. Um, but it's really helpful. We don't know a lot about the audience, who they were. Probably were uh, Jewish Christians, but we're, we're not entirely sure. But at the very least, we know this. Some of the people on the other end, the writer thought were drifting or were doubting or were even denying that Jesus was who he said he was and that what he did achieved what he said it would uh, and of the great promises. And he felt the need to write some of the strongest encouragements but equally some of the harshest of warnings that I think I've read in the, the whole of the New Testament. Strong passages. If, for example, you turn to chapter 1, the opening passages, there are times when the tone gets a little bit more like, <clears throat> excuse me, do you know who you're talking about? Do you know who's speaking to you? Do you know what he paid? Do, 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 you, do you get what the, the goodness of what he's saying is actually going to achieve? speaking quite cold truth at times but to open their eyes again to see who uh, this person is that we're talking about he opens with these words in the past God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways but in these last days he's spoken to us by his son the son who he appointed heir of all things and through him he made the universe we're talking about the maker of the universe, the one who has inherited all things. The sun is the radiance of God's glory. We talk about the image of God. Jesus is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. He fulfilled that image and sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he provided purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. 
There's an essence where the writer of Hebrews says, are you listening? Can you hear that the king of heaven is calling you by name? Not only is he calling you, but he's made a way for you to come. And he's not only made a way, but have you seen how good this is going to be forever? You know, he's like grabbing their attention. Are you listening? I wonder for us today, you know, is there a sense that, that we've lost a bit of that? Or we want to be reminded of that again? Or we've just been drifting a bit and need to hear again the voice of God, the God who is calling us the God who has made a way, and the God who has wonderful things for us uh, towards the future. Because the, what the writer of the Hebrews is also critically aware of is that what we do matters. He paints that picture very, very clearly. Let's just give you one example. This is from chapter 6. He starts using some kind of symbolic language, using land as as the metaphor, but very helpful in terms of thinking about fruitfulness. Hebrews 6 verse 7 says these words, land that drinks in the rain, that often falls on it, and that produces a crop that's useful to those for whom it's farmed, receives the blessing of God. But land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless. It's in danger of being cursed being decided as being irrelevant and unusable. And in the end, it will be, be burned. Wow. Uncomfortable passages to read. What does it mean? We often jump to thinking, oh my goodness, he must be talking about hell. But let's just think about it. Sorry, he's talking about land. And the fact that if the land doesn't produce fruit, it's classed off as useless. Because the land should. It's what it's made for. It's what it's designed for. It's what it's got every bit of capacity within it to be able to do. Almost like we talked about with the purpose of humanity. We are called to fruitfulness. That's the purpose of what we're about. And so to not be involved in making fruitfulness happen in the world uh, is, is, is going against the entire thing that it's made to be able to do. But the growth of thorns and thistles. Jesus said similar, didn't he? When he talks about the parable of the sower, about being good seed. If we get caught up in the pleasures of the world uh, and, and of the desires of riches, actually they can be things that totally sow into our lives the, the wrong kind of things. And we have to be careful. We have to be careful. And so if we sow thorns and thistles, well, of course, how can we be surprised if thorns or thistles grow? It's just a simple fact of a seed grows what type of seed it is uh, when they're sown in the ground. And I say that, I suppose, just to keep emphasizing the same point. John Tyson says that the same thing. We will be fruitful to the extent that we align ourselves to what God says is valuable. Because he made us. He understands us. He knows how we work. He knows what the best is. And so the more we align ourselves with what it is that he says is good and great and right and true, the more we will flourish in his creation, in our relationship with him, and in his promises. That is what we're called to. And if we reject that and we spurn that and we ignore that and we try to dampen our ears and we try to say, no, I'm all right, thank you very much. Well, the only thing you're going to develop in that is you're going to grow things in your life that, that, that represent that. 
that reflect that. And obviously we want to walk into the fullness of everything that God has for us. And so, like the writer of of Hebrews, on the back of the image of the land that produces crop or doesn't, the writer says this, look, even though we speak like this, dear friends, dear friends, it's family, there's a lot of affection here, We're convinced of better things in your case. The things that have to do with salvation, with rescue, with life. God isn't unjust. He will not forget your work and the love that you've shown him as you've helped his people and to continue to help them. Again, that's spurring one another on. We want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end. Keep going. Don't let up. So that what you hope for may be fully realized. Not just empty hopes, but things that are rich and full of potential. We don't want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and through perseverance inherit what has been promised. We know there's forgiveness, there is freedom, there is salvation, there is rescue that we can take hold of. There are rewards available for the good work. God is not unjust. He will not forget such actions. And we want to receive the full measure of God's blessings. The full measure of delight of God in the relationship we have that has our faith in what he is, who he is, and what he's done, first and foremost, and then with all of our efforts to bless him and to worship him and to delight in him and be like, yes, this is good. And therefore, to walk in the fullness of that, we all have a measure of ability, choice, power to some extent, to influence and to, to, to respond to the goodness of God. We are not useless. None of us are powerless. We're not utterly stuck because by the goodness of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit, we are able to make steps in the right direction, in a better direction, to turn away, to move on, to go on with him. And so as we read in Hebrews 10, let's draw near. Let's hold on. Hold on. Don't let anything, whatever pressure it is around us, don't let it press us back to something less. I know it's hard. I know it's hard. But we've got to say, come on, I'm going to go forwards. At the end of chapter 10, it says, we don't belong to those who shrink back. We don't belong to those who shrink back. We want to go on with, with him. But it's an us. It's not on me. It's just grit your teeth and get on more. It's no. It's about trusting God. It's about spurring one another on. A shared sense of responsibility and community where we all say, I am out for your best. And that best is by God and by his goodness and in his promises and in his faithfulness. And we invite other people, don't we, into, into that. But it's an us. It's an us. I think if we aim to encourage one another, there's no situation that you're going to find yourself in that you're not going to be a blessing. Like Jenny was talking about, about 
being that calmness. Actually, if you aim to be a blessing, you are going to be a blessing. People will recognize that and go, ah, Jenny's here. The place is going to be better. I can relax because the family of God are coming into the room um, and they're bringing about God's best. And so I suppose this morning the, the question is about where you feel you are this morning. What do you hear that God is saying to you? Is it something about refining a place of who God is, of the sustainer of all things, the creator of all things, the Lord of heaven and earth who's speaking directly to you and you're saying, ah, yeah, well, la, 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 or not? Is it today that you're finding there's a sense of fresh encouragement to, to, to be somebody who encourages other people to go on with God more? You think, yes, I want to do that more. Or are you finding, actually, that something from the Fruitfulness on the Frontline series is just sticking? Some of the ideas that have been shared this morning. Amy's prayer. Thinking, yes, I want to pray again. Uh, or Karen as well, going into the everyday things with a, with a sense of, God, what are you doing? Um, we want to respond to Jesus, to the Lord of life, and to the wonderful things, because he has wonderful things. Um, so we are going to sing a final song this morning, and we want to take an opportunity to, um, to, to respond. Um, in whatever revelation it is for you this morning that God is bringing forwards and in whatever way for you personally that that will work itself, work itself out.